Welcome to the Group of Five Focus podcast, where we take some time each week to highlight a few significant G5 matchups and showcase the power of the Group of Five. I'm your host, Brian Doppel. In this episode, I'll recap the action from week six, provide my G5 conference performance rankings, and look forward to week seven, including a handful of rivalry games, and some guests join the show to preview my game of the week. We'll get into it after the break. Okay, let's go ahead and take a take a look at the week six performances from the group of five conferences. And I'm going to go in reverse order of my uh, G5 conference rankings for the week. Uh, so we're going to start with my number five conference performance of, of week six. And so we're going to start out with the with conference USA. Um, there was a, it was honestly a strong week from CUSA, but uh, some of the other conferences just had <clears throat> some more interesting performances, uh, some more surprising performances and some more dominating performances. But as we're getting into more conference play now, there are fewer games to recap. So we'll start with uh, UAB and Middle Tennessee State. Uh, UAB got out in front early in this game and ended up beating the Blue Raiders 41-14 to in Birmingham. Um, UConn went to Florida International, played in Miami, um, and UConn got the win 33-12 to over the Panthers. And UTEP went to Louisiana Tech and lost 41-31 to in a nice home win for the Bulldogs. Also in CUSA, uh, rounding out the conference games of the week, uh, UTSA hosted Western Kentucky um, and survived a uh, last-minute push from the Hilltoppers to win 31-28. to Moving on to my number four conference performance of the week, we're looking at the Mid-American Conference, the MAC. So uh, in the MAC this week, Eastern Michigan went to Kalamazoo to play Western and came away with a big win, 45-23 to in, a, in convincing fashion. They were, uh, Eastern Michigan was up uh, 35-7 to at the half. Uh, so this was a, a convincing all-around win for the Eagles. Uh, well done to Eastern Michigan. Buffalo went to Bowling Green and got a blowout win, 38-7, a, a convincing win uh, for a Buffalo team that is now 3-0 in the MAC. Uh, so, so looking good for, for Buffalo here. I was, uh, been ex- I've been saying all season I expect uh, Buffalo to have a good season, and it seems as though after a uh, difficult non-conference schedule, they are, uh, they're starting to figure themselves out. And so they're 3-0 in the MAC and 3-3 in conference after that nice win over Bowling Green. Ohio hosted Akron and got a big win, 55-34 to over the Zips. Uh, meanwhile, Ball State went to Central Michigan and uh, escaped with a, a small, a narrow victory, 17-16, uh, to uh, with a fourth-quarter field goal uh, to seal it for uh, Ball State there. Toledo went and played Northern Illinois um, and got the win 52-32 over a Northern Illinois team that is struggling this year. They're 1-5 overall and 0-2 in the MAC. Um, I was expecting Northern Illinois to get off to a better start this year, but uh, Toledo has certainly had a strong start. 4-2 overall and 2-0 in the MAC after this uh, 20-point win over the Huskies. And in Kent, uh, Kent State went to Miami, uh, Miami, of, uh, Miami of Ohio, of course. And the Redhawks came out with the with the win over the Golden Flashes, twenty seven to twenty four. Um, they survived a uh, fourth quarter push, uh, really a second half push from Kent State um, to to win by three points there in Miami. My number three conference performance of the week is the American Athletic Conference, uh, which started play on Wednesday as SMU traveled to UCF in a game that was moved from the previous Saturday due to uh, the storms in Florida. Um, 
but SMU uh, was looking for their first win. Well, this is their first conference game against UCF, and we're hoping to start out conference play with a win. But uh, UCF dominated at home. There really wasn't much of a question. Uh, once once we got through the first half, uh, UCF scored uh, something like 41 points or 31 points in the um, second half and pulled away to win 41-19. to 19. On Friday, Houston went to Memphis and got the narrow victory, thirty-three uh, to twenty to thirty-two. Um, Houston got a uh, a last-second touchdown, uh, and which capped off a twenty-six-point fourth quarter to seal the win by one point versus Memphis on the road. Uh, so Houston improves to one and one in conference, three and three overall. Memphis still um, ahead of them in conference, that four and two overall and two and one in conference play. On Saturday, American Athletic Conference play, Cincinnati hosted South Florida and uh, survived there. Number, that's number 24 ranked Cincinnati, beat South Florida by only four points. Uh, so the Bulls uh, gave it their all, gave it a good, a good effort, but the Bearcats uh, had the edge at home. Tulane hosted ECU um, and got a nice win there. Uh, doesn't look like ECU scored a touchdown in that game, uh, and Tulane got out with a win 24-9. to and Navy had a nice win uh, at home versus Tulsa, fifty-three to twenty-one, uh, in a, a a game that might just be described as confusing. Uh, Navy played extremely well. Um, Daba Fafana for the for the midshipmen ran for one hundred fifty-nine yards and three touchdowns in the first half. So just a, a dominant play um, uh, from the midshipmen uh, to get their second conference win of the season so far. My fourth-ranked conference for the for the week is the Mountain West Conference. Um, they started play on Friday between Colorado State and Nevada, um, and and the Rams got the win there, seventeen to fourteen on the road. Uh, San Jose State hosted UNLV. Um, UNLV, of course, the upstart of the Mountain West this year so far, um, but they couldn't get past uh, San Jose State. They they ended up winning forty to seven. San Jose State did at home, so a nice win to improve to two and zero in conference for San Jose State. On Saturday in the Mountain West, Utah State hosted Air Force, and another confusing team here. Uh, Utah State uh, pulled out the win by uh, by a touchdown over Air Force. Um, Air Force, who started out extremely strong, but is now sitting at one and two in conference, um, losing to Utah State, who's two and four overall, but but sitting at one and one in Mountain West play. So um, we'll see if the Aggies can sort of turn things around on their season and uh, finish strong in conference. Wyoming went to New Mexico and got a nice win, 27 to 14. uh, Fresno State went to Boise State uh, in what was a a big rivalry game last week. Um, But of course, on the blue turf, uh, you know, that challenging place to play. uh, And that proved to be the case for the Bulldogs as well. And the Broncos won at home 40 to 20. Um, So Fresno State's concerns uh, continue uh, through the season. But San Diego State was able to uh, have a nice win at home over Hawaii on Saturday. Uh, they beat the Rainbow Warriors 16-14 to at home to improve to 1-1 one one in conference and 3-3 three and three overall. Hawaii 1-5 uh, overall and still looking for their first Mountain West win. Of course, that leaves my number one performing conference uh, for the week, which this week, um, and probably until thing, something drastic changes, goes to the Sun Belt. Um, this this week was full of upsets and rivalry games um, that did not disappoint. Uh, starting on Saturday, we had the uh, the in-state rivalry of Georgia Southern versus Georgia State, uh, which uh, some 
some are referring to as a modern day hate rivalry, but uh, I know some fans are, are discontented with with that name. So we'll see we'll see how that evolves in the future. But Georgia State got a nice win at home versus Georgia Southern, who uh, Georgia Southern continues to struggle against the upstart Panthers uh, as the, their in-state rivals there. The Panthers, who have had some struggles this season, uh, got their first Sun Belt win against uh, Georgia Southern last weekend. So uh, good for the Panthers. We'll see how that uh, how that success continues uh, throughout the rest of their Sun Belt play. James Madison continues on a roll here at 5 and 0 overall, 3 and 0 in the Sun Belt after a win 42 to 20 over Arkansas State on the road uh, last week. Uh, James Madison of course got ranked by the uh, AP this week. They're number 25 in the country. Absolutely unbelievable. I don't think it's ever happened that a team in their first 5 F games as an FBS program have uh, have become ranked uh, in the top 25 like this. Um they're just dominating. They're dominating and they're winning uh, really great games. So uh, hats off to the Dukes. Um, we'll see if their success continues this weekend uh, as they uh, play Georgia Southern. So uh, so another interesting in-conference, in-division uh, game this week. There's also a lot of talk about uh, James Madison's eligibility for bowl games or conference championships um, or uh, other postseason play uh, at the end of the season. And uh, it is true that currently with the current rules um, because James Madison is in their transition year that they are not eligible for a conference championship or a bowl game Um, but seeing as they are one game away from being bowl eligible in their first season um, and they are looking like the cream of the crop of the Sun Belt East um, that very likely could end up playing or or deserving to play for the conference championship. Um, I would not be surprised to see the conversation around this start to heat up as long as James Madison continues to win Um, these, these rules. I I don't know the history of them being put in place, but uh, objectively as objectively as I can, this just, it it looks, it's a silly look for the Sun Belt and for the NCAA to not allow James Madison to, to play for uh, in the postseason. Uh, they're they're playing lights out football. They are beating teams that were projected to be favorites in the conference. Um, and so, as long as they are eligible, I I am a full uh, proponent for uh, James Madison being allowed to play in the postseason. But uh, we'll see how that evolves throughout the season, and certainly um, if James Madison keeps on winning. Um, speaking of winning. Texas State got a nice win this weekend over Appalachian State um, down in San Marcos. Uh, they were uh, Texas State improves to one and one in the Sun Belt and three and three overall. App State has a losing record in the Sun Belt, one and two, but are three and three overall. Um, some some unique, some interesting decisions being made in this game. Uh, Chase Bryce threw for almost four hundred yards and three touchdowns, but also had a critical pick six in the game. Um, and, uh, you know, Texas State uh, otherwise dominated the game until, uh, you know, a, a late second half push from App State. So credit to the Bobcats. They got a nice win at home over App State. Um, App State, who uh, have really struggled to score in this game. Um, pretty, pretty confusing. Uh, things definitely need to be figured out on the offensive side of the ball as well as the defensive side of the ball uh, before they play Georgia State at home next Wednesday. 
In the Sun Belt West this week, Troy hosted Southern Miss and won 27 to 10. Troy continues to impress in the West, and Coastal Carolina continues to win as well at 6 and 0 overall and 3 and 0 in the Sun Belt as they beat UL Monroe on the road 28 to 21 this week. A really uh, dominant performance by Coastal Carolina running back. C.J. Beasley, uh, who ran for 115 yards and two touchdowns, um, as well as coastal wide receiver Sam Pinckney, who had nine receptions for 133 yards. Uh, the uh, the Chanticleers just really uh, played well on the road to improve to 6-0 and and 3-0, and respectively. Looking ahead to week seven play, there are some really interesting uh, matchups. And of course, uh, as I said earlier, we're getting into more of the um, in-conference. Uh, we're getting more We're getting more into conference play. So we're seeing fewer games, but uh, in my opinion, more interesting matchups. Um, on Thursday, uh, October 13th, Temple is going to UCF. UCF, of course, dominant at home. Uh, but this game is on primetime on ESPN on Thursday. Um, I think that uh, you know Temple coming into town uh, might there might be a little opportunity for a, a home upset here, but uh, I'll, I'll be surprised if UCF doesn't protect the home field advantage in this game. On Saturday in the AAC, Tulane is going to South Florida and Memphis is going to ECU. Um, those both of those games are on ESPNU at four and seven thirty, respectively. So some interesting uh, American Athletic Conference games on Saturday as well. In Conference USA on Friday, UTSA is going to FIU to play at eight o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Meanwhile, on Saturday, there are a few other uh, CUSA matchups. Charlotte goes to UAB, Louisiana Tech travels to North Texas, and Rice goes to Florida Atlantic. The MAC has a ton of conference games this week. Um, Central Michigan goes to Akron uh, in what should be uh, a, an interesting matchup there. Central Michigan um, is favored pretty heavily, um, but it's the MAC, and, uh, and Akron has home field advantage, so uh, anything can happen in that matchup. Uh, that's at 12 o'clock. Um, another game, another MAC at 12 o'clock on Saturday is Miami at Bowling Green, uh, which should be a very good game as well. Miami has been playing um, above expectations for most of us, uh, but Bowling Green also uh, comes Coming off um, a tough win versus Buffalo last week, but um, a nice win uh, at Akron and then versus Marshall, of course, in overtime earlier in the season. So could be an interesting game in Bowling Green there. Another game with uh, with two teams with high expectations uh, as Northern Illinois goes to Ypsilanti uh, to play the Eastern Michigan Eagles. EMU is favored in that game, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Northern Illinois get a, a conference win in this matchup this weekend and Ohio goes to Kalamazoo to play Western Michigan at three 30 on Saturday. And you can watch that game on CBS sports network. A few good matchups in the mountain West uh, during week seven as well. Uh, Utah state goes to Colorado state uh, in a game with two teams with uh, hopes and, uh, and uh, positive thoughts for, for good seasons, but uh, two teams that have just frankly struggled this year. Um, So uh, Utah state, 
and Colorado State both have losing overall records, but Utah State is one and one in conference. Colorado State is one and zero in conference. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how this game plays out on Saturday. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Aggies, but they have they have disappointed me before. So we'll just see what happens. Air Force is going to UNLV. Um, we'll see if Air Force is able to get back to their winning ways. Uh, of course, UNLV coming off a loss as well. Um, but both of these teams have had good seasons so far. These two teams uh, are also in different divisions in the Mountain West, uh, but this is a conference game nonetheless, so uh, the, they all count the same. Um, and I think that this will be a really interesting matchup. Uh, this is uh, a late one, 1030 on Saturday evening on CBS Sports Network. And in the Sun Belt, we've got uh, a Wednesday game uh, in the Sun Belt this week. We've got Louisiana and Marshall, uh, a replay of um, the bowl game last year. Um, that is on ESPN2 at 7.30 on, on Wednesday. These are two teams that have had struggling seasons, perhaps uh, underperforming based on what they would have hoped, uh, even with Marshall's huge win over Notre Dame um, in week two. Um but uh, this, I think, is going to be a great game. These are two strong teams, uh, although their their records aren't, you know, they don't blow you away. Um, the fact is that uh, the Sun Belt East and the Sun Belt West are both strong this year. So um, to see these two teams playing as conference opponents for the first time in Marshall's first uh, Sun Belt home game um, is going to be is going to be really exciting to watch that uh, midweek on primetime on ESPN. On Saturday in the Sun Belt, Old Dominion goes to Coastal Carolina at noon. Texas State goes to Troy at 3.30. James Madison uh, goes to Georgia Southern. They play uh, at Georgia Southern at Paulson Stadium at 4 o'clock um, as a, a ranked team going into Paulson Stadium. That's, a, that's dangerous territory, uh, as most App State fans will begrudgingly tell you. So we'll see if Georgia Southern has the upset brewing at home uh, against the ranked Dukes, uh, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but in the uh, Sun Belt West, South Alabama hosts UL Monroe. Um, South Alabama uh, is performing extremely well and is highly favored in this game. Um, but Monroe could uh, could do something big here. They had a nice win versus uh, Louisiana just a few weeks ago. Um, so we'll see we'll see who has the edge here um, in Mobile on Saturday night. Elsewhere in the Sun Belt West, Southern Miss is hosting Arkansas State at seven o'clock on ESPN plus we've got four official rivalry games uh, being played this week Uh, so I'll try to kind of go through these as quickly as I can Uh, there's some really interesting ones here the the first is uh, Navy and SMU playing for the Gans trophy Um, Navy and SMU have been playing since 1930 Uh, they've been playing this game since 1930 although there have been uh, large breaks between those games uh, this is actually only the 24th meeting between these two teams but uh, does go back a long ways and uh, Navy does have the slight edge here at 13 to 10 over SMU, but SMU has won uh, the last two and three out of the last four meetings uh, between the two teams. So the, the, as far as historically speaking, uh, most of these are pretty evenly split, although it's worth noting that Navy has the biggest wins in this, uh, in this meeting. Back in 2016, they won 75 to 31. Back in 2015, they won 55 to 14. Um, and then back in t- 2008, they won 34 to 7. So uh, a lot of these wins for Navy have been more lopsided, uh, and the wins for SMU have been a little bit closer, but um, SMU does have the more recent edge, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see it, who is uh, ready 
to to take home the Gantz Trophy this this week. SMU is projected to win by ESPN's FPI. They've got an eighty six percent chance to win, um, and I think that's likely. I think SMU is going to uh, is going to win this game. Um, but SMU's in bad form. They have three straight losses, um, two of those to Power Five teams. But um, but they're regardless, their losses and losses are losses. Uh, Navy is coming off a nice win versus Tulsa, um, so. It could be that the midshipmen are, are um, you know, taking shape and uh, will be ready to, to play this game, but we'll have to see. Um, another interesting rivalry this weekend is the Rio Grande rivalry between New Mexico and New Mexico State, soon to be uh, Conference USA member New Mexico State. Now, this rivalry goes back even farther, all the way back to 1894. Um, these two teams have been playing, um, and they've played over 100 times. They've played 106, um, 111 times, actually, since uh, 1894. And the Lobos of New Mexico do have the edge here at 73 to 33 with five ties. Um, and giving them credit where it's to do. They do have most of the uh, more recent wins as well. New Mexico State hasn't won uh, this matchup since 2017. This is an interesting Aggies team. I feel like they can, uh, they're can. they primed for uh, to, be, to be the upsetters um, at any given moment. Um, New Mexico does have the, uh, the edge in ESPN's FPI. Uh, the Lobos are predicted to win by with seven, 71% chance of winning. Um, so I think I think the safe bet is for the lo- is to pick the Lobos, but um, I think that New Mexico State um, they've had some interesting games this this season. Uh, their only win so far coming against Hawaii, um, and, but it was a convincing win versus uh, the Bows. So uh, they haven't really played anyone like New Mexico yet. Uh, I think that this will be an interesting challenge for the Aggies. I think they could win, but um, the safe bet is certainly New Mexico in this. Uh, in this installment of the Rio Grande rivalry. Another geographical uh, rivalry is the uh, Fresno State and San Jose State game this weekend. They play for the Valley Cup, and they've been playing uh, for, they've been playing this rivalry game since 1921. Almost 100 games played between these two teams since 1921, and uh, Fresno State has the advantage here, uh, 43 to 38, with three ties. So it's been pretty even, um, although Fresno State does have the most recent edge. Uh, they they won last year, tw- um, 40 to nine, uh, over. San Jose State, and they've won three of the last four in pretty convincing fashion. Um, the only one, uh, actually two of the last five that San Jose State have won have been by uh, one point in 2019 and two points in 2016. So um, more recently, Fresno State has been winning and winning big, um, but Fresno State appears to be down this year. So I think that this uh, this year is a good opportunity for San Jose State to uh to get a win in or to get a, a notch in their win column in uh, in this rivalry and espn's fpi gives them a 58 percent chance to win um it's pretty even and i agree with that um so this will be a fun game for sure it's a, a late one past my bedtime uh but i'll be i'll look forward to watching the the highlights on sunday and last but certainly not least is a, a rivalry that i think is uh pretty exciting the 100 miles of hate rivalry between middle tennessee state and western kentucky uh this this game has been played between these two teams since 1914 so another really old game uh 71 
uh, meetings between these two teams over that time. Um, and these are just two fan bases and two teams that do not like each other. Um, proximity wise, they're, they're fairly close. Um, recruiting wise, they have a similar footprint. So, um, these, these teams have historically just gone at it and you can see it's, it's as even as it can get. Both teams have 35 wins and one tie in this matchup. So, um, this is going to be a, a tiebreaker game for sure. Uh, very exciting uh, to see how, very excited to see how this one uh, ends up. Western Kentucky has had the recent edge. They've won six of the last seven versus Middle Tennessee. Um, but of course, last year, uh, last year, a big win, 48 to 21, uh, of course, led by Bailey Zappi and, and the crew. Um, so I think, you know, Western Kentucky is not the same team they were last year, uh, but they are still a very strong, uh, particularly offensive team. Um, and Middle Tennessee State is still allowing more points than they're, uh, than they're earning. So I think that the, the toppers have the edge in this 100 miles of hate game, but we, uh, the, the result remains to be seen. That's why we play the games. And as I've been doing for the last couple of weeks, I uh, consulted the G5 Hive Mind uh, on Twitter to um, to hear your questions, observations, concerns, and things like that uh, from the previous week, as well as the you know the games moving forward. Um, so I uh, really appreciate those of you who uh, interact on social media or, or sending questions. Um, appreciate those, and be sure to keep an eye out for those uh, tweets on usually Sundays or Mondays. Um, if you, and if you'd like to share your thoughts, concerns, uh, woes, excitement, uh, that's your chance to do that. And you'll have a chance to be featured on the show as well. Um, the first response I wanted to get to really quickly is from um, Go Herd, Please Don't Die, uh, uh, who I've heard from previously. Appreciate the interactions as always. Uh, they had a good question here. Can Marshall beat another ranked opponent on the road? And will a, will a win against Louisiana Wednesday make Marshall respected again? Uh, those are two different questions. Um, so the, the first part of the question referencing, um, a ranked team on the road is in reference to Marshall going to play James Madison next week on the 22nd. Um, and of course anything can happen between now and then, but as it stands now, JMU is ranked number 25, uh, Bridgeforth is going to be rocking. I think that's their homecoming game uh, for JMU. So it's going to be a packed stadium. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, Marshall can certainly upset uh, the Dukes on the road, um, and it would be a heck of an upset to do it uh, on homecoming weekend uh, in front of what is, I think I saw today, um, is a sold-out crowd. Um, The Herd can do it, um, but I don't know that they will. I just don't know that they are going to be um, able to overcome some of their mistakes over the last few weeks um, to to get that win. I do think... um, that this game versus Louisiana this week is going to be very telling. Um, I think that what Marshall needs to do is step up in a a big, a bigger game, especially an in-conference game. Uh, Marshall has wins versus Norfolk state and Gardner Webb, two FCS programs. Um, and of course the big win at Notre Dame in week two. Um, but those are their only, those are their wins on the season. Um, they're, they've lost to Bowling Green, an old historical rival. Um, and, um, at Troy, um, a Sunbelt opponent. So they haven't 
unfortunately, aside from the Notre Dame game, uh, Marshall hasn't done anything to show me that they're ready to step up in a big time, uh, a big time game like this. But um, conference play, even these games versus Louisiana and JMU, they are arguably a bigger deal for Marshall than the Notre Dame game because uh, Marshall's playing or they're they're playing for a conference championship, uh, and so I think that if Marshall can get wins versus Louisiana and at James Madison over the next two weeks, I think we're talking about, uh, we're, we're changing the conversation about Marshall being the cream of the crop in the Sun Belt East. Of course, that's before they go to play or they host uh, Coastal Carolina the week after that. So um, the, the, yeah, the Sun Belt East doesn't get any easier for Marshall. So if they want to be respected again, um, they need to start winning against their Sun Belt opponents. That's a, that's a really good question. I got another question from Fun in the Sun. That's at Funbelt Smack Two on Twitter. Uh, the question is: What impact would JMU finishing the season eleven and zero and ranked, but ineligible for the Sun Belt uh, Conference Championship game and a bowl game, have on the rules that prevent them from being ineligible for the postseason? Um, I spoke to this a little bit earlier, um, but I think we're I think we'll already. Um, there's the conversations are already happening, at least in, you know, the fan spaces on Twitter, um, the implications for these rules and, and what, what impact they would have on, um, on a fan base, like, like the JMU fan base who you know, the team is, is just doing everything right. They're, they're beating the, all their opponents. They're doing so pretty handily. Um, a uh, scary one there versus app, I guess, but, uh, that was on the road too. So, uh, yeah, JMU's beating all their opponents. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, the likelihood of JMU going 11 and O is slim. When you look at their schedule coming up, um, at Georgia Southern, which is a difficult place to play hosting Marshall for homecoming at Louisville at old dominion, a nice in-state game there. And then finishing out with home games versus Georgia state and coastal. Um, I, I mean, I think that, at the very least, the Marshall uh, and the Louisville games are losable there. Uh, we'll see how things pan out with Coastal, of course. Um, and Old Dominion has shown that they that they have some winning power this this season as well. So, will JMU finish eleven and zero? My my bet is is probably not. I think they're it's more likely for at this point for them to finish with uh, probably one or two losses. Uh, but I I don't know exactly where they come from yet. Um, but I do hope that before we even get there, the conversations are had about changing these rules. Um, I just don't know how anyone, aside from a bitter uh, fan base that has lost to JMU, I don't understand how any fan base or any any anyone watching this happening can't look at JMU and say that this team, if if they win out the way that they're that they're playing, they does that they don't deserve to play in the postseason. At this point, it's looking like they uh, very well may play. Uh, or win the Sun Belt East, uh, and so for them to not represent the Sun Belt East in the conference championship just because it's their first season in the FBS, um, I think that that's uh, that's a rule that needs to be reevaluated, um, not for the future, but for this season, for this JMU team, and for the players that um, are really overcoming overcoming the odds, as uh, tacky or silly as that might sound. Uh, so yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I hope I hope that it gets addressed before it's too late. Moving on to my matchup of the week. This week, my matchup of the week is between the Kent State Golden Flashes and the Toledo Rockets. This matchup is on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern at the Glass Bowl in Toledo, Ohio. 
and you can watch it on ESPN+. To help me preview this game, I reached out to the guys at the College Sports Connection podcast to get their input. Let's hear from them now. All right, everybody, Alex, the captain here from the College Sports Connection podcast, here to preview the Kent State Golden Flashes versus the Toledo Rockets. Kent State comes into the matchup this weekend at a 2-4 and four record, 1-1 one and one in the Mid-American Conference. Last week, they took on Miami, Ohio, lost a heartbreaking game, 27-24. On the other side of the ball, Toledo absolutely decimated Northern Illinois, 52-32 in DeKalb. A game in which a lot of people expected this to be the Mac West Championship, and Toledo right off the rip in the first four minutes went up fourteen nothing after a pick six by Quinion Mitchell, who finished the game with four interceptions and two pick sixes, and Toledo was all gas no breaks as they put up the fifty burger on the Huskies. Kent State again did lose the heartbreaker to Miami of Ohio. 27 to 24. The week before, however, many Kent State players made their way into the record books at Kent State, including Dante Cephas, who had 246 receiving yards. Colin Schley, fifth all-time single-game passing record, and Marquise Cooper with 240 rushing yards. All three of those gentlemen earned their way into the history books and the record books at Kent State. Coming into the matchup this weekend, Colin Schley has 1,386 passing yards. He does have eight touchdowns to three interceptions. Toledo, Daquan Finn, name everybody knows who dazzled against Ohio State. 1,134 yards, 11 passing touchdowns, and five interceptions. The tale of the season, however, the running backs... Toledo has done a lot of running back by committee, hasn't had a true leader emerge until last week. They are, however, headlined by Daquan Finn, who has 368 rushing yards and five touchdowns. For Kent State, Marquise Cooper, again, 125 carries, 542 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. Receiving-wise, Dante Cephas for Kent State, he has 619 yards with three scores, And Demir Blankemsey for Toledo, 341 yards and one score. He has been the breakout player for the Rockets. Looking at how this matchup's going to be, Toledo arguably has the best defense in the Mid-American Conference. This year, they have only allowed 25.5 points a game, and that's including the game against Ohio State, in which they surrendered 77 points on the road. They are also averaging 36 points points a game. That's including the game against San Diego State, in which they only put up 14 points on the road. Kent State, they're averaging 27.2 points a game, doing pretty well moving the ball through the air and on the ground against their opponents. They did put up 20 against Washington. They did put up 22 against Georgia. So this is a team who has the ability to score and move the ball, especially against some pretty good defenses. It's going to be interesting to watch the yards through the air. Right now, Kent State does have the edge, 236 yards through the air, compared to Toledo's 200 through the air. Rushing, Kent State still holds the edge, 200 on the ground to Toledo's 188. 
Now, this is where the tail gets interesting. Kent State is allowing over 440 yards, both through the air and on the ground on defense. While Toledo, just over 350 total yards, holding opponents to under 200 a game passing and under 155 a game rushing. Again, looking at the last few weeks, Toledo is undefeated in MAC play, taking down two potential MAC West contenders in Central Michigan and Northern Illinois. And they did it in pretty dominating fashion, averaging over 20 points in victory margin in each of the two contests. Obviously, the heartbreaker at Ohio State was pretty expected for the Rockets, a 77-21 loss. It was the week after at San Diego State with the loss of Daquan Finn. For more than half the game, Toledo lost that game 17-14. Looking at Kent State's losses, again, they did put up 22 against Georgia and actually gave Georgia a scare for a while. Georgia pulled away, winning 39-22. The loss to Oklahoma on the road to kick off the season, 33-3. Not what you want, not ideal, but the, they did have them close in the first half. Their wins, big wins for them beating Long Island University out of the FCS 63-10, and a win over Ohio in overtime, the record-setting day for the Kent State offense. That was a big one to move them to 1-1 in conference play. As we look forward to this game, the big things that need to happen. Toledo is currently a 9-point favorite, so Kent State needs to be on their A game. If you can force Daquan Finn to make decisions that he doesn't want to make he does have five interceptions on the year if you can make Daquan Finn make decisions he doesn't want to make Kent State could be in this game I'm not discounting the Kent State offense who at times has shown a lot of explosiveness not a lot of points again only averaging 27 points a contest however when they show up and they're ready to play and ready to explode they can do it like they've proven against some pretty stout defenses like that of Georgia Defensively, watch for Nico Bolden, Marvin Pierre, and JoJo Evans to make some real noise for this Kent State defense. Combined, these three have over 120 tackles on the season. They have several pass deflections. And this is a defensive side, the safety, the linebacker, and the other safety. These are guys who really know how to come out and play and really force opponents to beat them. Looking at what Toledo brings to the table, obviously we mentioned it ad nauseum, Daquan Finn, a great guy who knows what he's doing. We spoke briefly about how they haven't had a true running back who can just take over a game and dominate on the ground like we've seen in years past with guys such as Kareem Hunt, Brian Kobach, David Flewellen, Terry Swanson. These are all guys who have now made it to the league from the Max Running Back University. Jaquie Stewart, I think, is the next in line between him and Penny Boone, the transfer from Big Ten School, Rutgers. These guys look to really establish what the backfield needs to look like this season. Stewart last week, 11 carries, 73 yards, and a score, averaging just over 7 yards a carry. An impressive effort for the young man. Really looking forward to seeing what he does in this game. Now, Toledo is, again, the 9-point favorite. And I think that they're going to carry that with them. They do have arguably the best defense in the MAC, between guys like Jamal Hines, Dallas Gant, Deontay Johnson, Deshaun Johnson, Maxon Hook, 
Zachary Ford, Judge Culpepper. The list just goes on and on and on. This is a very, very stout defense for Toledo. These are guys who have a chip on their shoulder. They understand last year was not the year that they wanted as a program, especially when they were picked to win the conference. This year, they're coming back. They're focused. They're playing sharp. Toledo is doing a lot of really good things right now. A lot of things that a lot of teams really need their players to do. This is an offense who can bury you in a hole very quickly. This is a defense who can be very suffocating, but I don't count Kent State out yet. Last week against Northern Illinois, Toledo had a plus 30-point advantage on the Huskies. I believe it was a 37-point advantage. Toledo surrendered 25 points in the fourth quarter. Still rolled away with a 20-point victory. However, Kent State has a much better offense than Northern Illinois, so Toledo's going to really need to make sure that they don't surrender the big plays, don't give up the onside kicks, and really establish their will. Kent State, they need to do what they do best. Get the ball into the hands of Marquise Cooper and Dante Cephas. Colin Schley has looked really comfortable taking over for his predecessor. I don't have any concerns about his ability to move the ball to help this offense to score when they need to. The defense is vastly improved from a year ago. A defense that was leaking like a sieve, just giving up points and yards to everybody. Now, I do believe that this will be a Rockets victory. Toledo has looked every bit of the part that they kind of projected themselves to be this year. A tough defense with a good offense behind dual threat superstar Daquan Finn. I do think that Kent State is going to make this one a close game. It's going to be an interesting battle, but I do believe Toledo walks out of the glass bowl this weekend. A 38-21 victory over the Kent State Golden Flashes. Thanks to Alex for his input on that. Uh, I think that this, this matchup between the Golden Flashes and the Rockets is going to be a good one. Um, these are two teams that know each other very well. Um, uh, historically, they uh, Toledo has the advantage here. They've been playing since 1955, and Toledo has 27 wins to Kent State's 21 wins. Um, and that includes Toledo's last uh, one, two, three, four, five wins straight in the series, um, including some big ones like in 2015, 38 to seven um, at home at the Glass Bowl. So um, these two teams have played each other many, many times. They're, they go back a long time in the MAC, um, and Toledo does have the advantage going into this game. They're four and two overall, two and zero in conference. Uh, Kent State is at two and four overall and one and one in conference. Um, the numbers just uh, they they favor Toledo pretty clearly here. Um, Kent State is their defense is still giving up more points than their offense can score, um, and it's hard to win games that way. And that's reflected in their record. Uh, like I said, two and four overall. Um, their wins this season uh, being versus Long Island University and an overtime win versus Ohio a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but their losses, uh, and you know, it's their their uh, non-conference schedule. Kent State's this year has been absolutely unbelievable. They've uh, they've had losses at Washington, the Huskies, uh, at number seven Oklahoma at the time, number seven, uh, at number one Georgia, um, 
So, and then last week they lost to Miami of Ohio, but uh, their non-conference schedule is absolutely brutal this year. Oh, so, so perhaps we should be looking more closely at their one-in-one conference record. But uh, with Toledo, uh, Toledo's offense uh, being being led by dual-threat quarterback DeQuan Finn, um, who's just absolutely light, lighting it up. He's got five, or he's got eleven uh, passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns on the season so far. Um, so uh, the Rockets' offense definitely goes through Finn, um, and he is having a great year. Um, but I also know that Kent State has has a good offense as well. Uh, their quarterback Colin Colin Shalee, um, and their leading wide receiver Dante Cephas. Uh, they're an excellent pairing. Um, it really I think is going to come down to the Kent State defense um, in this game. And unfortunately, defense defenses struggle on the road, um, and Toledo is the home game here. So. So I'm giving Toledo the advantage here at home. Um, I think that this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be high scoring. Um, But my prediction is that Toledo wins this game at home 33 to 24 in the glass bowl. And that's my group of five matchup of the week. Thanks for joining me this week on the Group of Five Focus podcast. Reach out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at G5FPod to join the conversation and let me know what you think about my picks and previews. And if you haven't already, please follow, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice, and be sure to share it with your favorite Group of Five fans. That's all for this week on the Group of Five Focus podcast. Special thanks to Alex at the College Sports Connection for his help on this one. Be sure to check the episode description for their Twitter handles and give them a follow. Until next time, my question for you is, what is one thing you can do to showcase the power of the Group of Five?